So welcome to the show tonight. I think we're uh, we're in for a good conversation. We're coming to the end of uh, the year, and in just a few weeks, 2020 will be more than a year ago. <laughs> Even farther back in the rearview mirror. We're going to have a fun show tonight. The topic tonight is the karmic cost of our mental and emotional stigmas with host with me as a host Les Jensen the karmic cost of our mental and emotional stigmas the I would suggest the mental and emotional karmic stigmas of humanity I are by far the vast majority of everything that we wrestle with, that we struggle with. And what I'd like to do with tonight's show is look at some of the mechanisms of the karma behind mental and emotional stigmas, tendencies, momentum, karmic momentum, if you will. And and uh, it, it's no surprise to anyone that there's a gigantic void. There's a gigantic, huge void in the collective consciousness. And that void is, is quote, normal, unquote. See, in 2019, like it or not, people had a sense of normalcy to their life. They had a sense of knowing what to expect, knowing how it was going to go, so to speak. In 2020, um, I don't want to discount um, the hardships that people have had because many people have lost their jobs, lost their careers. I mean, what do you do when an entire industry shuts down for a year, like the convention shows? No convention shows for 2020. What if that was your livelihood? What if you were nine months from retiring? Or the ma and pa shop on Main Street and and volume went down and you had to start tapping into your savings to keep the place afloat. The savings that you were planning on retiring with. I mean, I don't have to go into story because I think many, many uh, people, so many people have been affected that all of us know somebody who's gone through some heartache and grief. And here we are coming around the bend to a brand new year. Today is the first day after the solstice. So spring has sprung. (laughs) Spring has begun. New growth, new beginnings, new narratives, new dynamics. If we don't tend to our karmic stigmas, what normal will be for us is more of the same. In other words, if we don't tend to our karmic stigmas, tendencies, imprinting, momentum, 
our lives are are unlikely to change. So let's get into this a little bit. I think uh, I'm I'm fascinated. I am just uh, genuinely fascinated by the so many different facets of our human persona, our human genome. Every one of us has one of these body things. Every one of us has grown an ego. None of us had an ego the day we were born. Ego Egos are symbol processors. They, they use symbols for language and identification and value. None of us had an ego, and, and we fast forward to today, and we all have egos. You know, the when I was thinking about the show tonight, I was trying to think of um, some metaphors, some ways to look at it that uh, that would bring uh, per- perhaps a new perspective, a new insight on it. And the notion of World War II came up. My father was in World War II, and I, I think we watched every flippin' war movie that existed from from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And there's the notion of when World War II started, um, young pilots, young pilots who have been drafted into the military have have been given cognitive tests and determined that you're going to be a fighter pilot. And so they take them out to the airport and a lot of these kids have never left the ground. They've never been up in an airplane, and they're expected to bring fury to the to the opponent in a matter of weeks, months, but not much past that. And so they're standing on the ground, and the instructor's going, well, now you see the plane's got a rudder, and that helps you turn left to right. And it has flaps, so that helps you go up and down. And the pilot holds on to the control stick, and that de- that decides how much of what you get. And it's really in their best interest to learn that as as best they can. As best they can, because their life's going to depend on it in short order. Well, in that situation, it's quite evident that there's a war going on. It's quite evident that um, there's a lot riding on the ability to learn how to fly. And I, and I think the metaphor is, is a little bit out, out of ideal because of that, because to t- take that metaphor and flip it over and say um, – you, the listener, just relax, and I'm going to talk to your soul for a second. You, the ego, just relax, and I'm going to talk to your soul. Souls, souls, I know you all chose a life path for the egos in front of you. I know you had a life purpose lined up for these egos, including me. I know that you knew 
that this transformation of humanity, you knew, you saw it coming, and you chose the life path for the egos in front of you now. I get that. I understand that. And and yet when we're born, we forget. We flip and forget. Now I want to talk, go back to talking to you, the listener. It's it's time for a wake-up call. It's time for a wake-up call because I suggest so many of us are going to have a transformation in what our life is going to look like. I know I'm going to. I'm in the middle of it. In, in other words, when 2020 came along and turned everything on its head, the role of your life, the dynamic of your life, the narrative of your life is most certainly going to change. Now, how big and pronounced that change is is not up to me. Your your soul has an idea of that. Your soul has an idea. I suggest to you, we've talked about this many times on the show, your, your soul is this gigantic, multi-dimensional aspect of yourself. Multi-dimensional, non-linear aspect of yourself. And yet our egos are linear as linear can be. So how can a a soul, a a vast, multi-dimensional, non-linear persona get some traction out of an ego. I'm not here to beat up on egos. I'm not. I'm not. Egos are part of the design or we wouldn't have them. The brain is certainly set up to run an ego. They are. But so many people incarnate on earth and they forget. The vast majority of people forget what the plan was. They forget what their life purpose was. They they forget. And they go into a family dynamic and and it might be tough lessons on day one. Planet Earth has some really tough classrooms to incarnate into. But fast forward into the young adult, the adult, the older adult, whoever you are, whatever your age is, I want you tonight for this show to pause, to really, really pause and give some wiggle room in your thinking. Get some wiggle room in in letting go of what you thought your life was going to be. Letting go of what you thought your life was going to be. I know your soul had a plan for your life before you were even born. I'll speak for myself. I clicked off 20 years in broadcast television before the cosmic two by four cracked me open. Had you sat me down the day before my life was about to change, and I promise you I had no idea it was about to change. 
I got blindsided by the cosmic two by four. The day before that happened, it's kind of like saying 2019. The day before that happened, had you sat me down and said, well, Les, uh, what's your life going to be like? And the answer come out lickety split. I work in broadcast television. I'm an engineer. I'm a father. I'm a this. I'm a that. And I would have answered quite quickly. And with, with confidence that I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> There's a line in, uh, uh, I don't know if you, if you guys are in the classic rock at all, but Blue Oyster Cult has a song called Godzilla. And there's some lines in that that go, history shows again and again how nature points out the folly of men. <laughs> and I bring that up because the, the following day, the cosmic two by four cracks me open. And the validity of what I had just said would have started to crumble, would started to change. And I was not aware, this is the whole point, I was completely and totally clueless that I had an immense, a a gigantic amount of emotional karma. When the cosmic two by four cracked me open, I've shared on this show many times, an immense amount of emotional energy comes pouring out of my persona. Holy cow, my God. My life was shutting down. My health was deteriorating. My life was imploding in on me. And then the cosmic two by four cracked me open. And here I am decades later, published author, radio show host, visionary, philosopher, the energy of the human persona as it relates to emotions and health and whatnot, um, all these attributes didn't exist in my mind at all. And that's what I want. That's why I suggest that you just pause, take a pause in your life. Take a pause in your life and look back at elements in your life and, and, Slow your ego down enough to ponder, to contemplate that there just might be a bigger vision of what your life was intended to be. There just might be a bigger vision of what your life was intended to be that you're nowhere near fulfilling. And I can be the first one to raise my hand because the day before the Cosmic 2 by 4 I had no inkling of being a a published author. Are you kidding me? Write a book? My ego argued with my soul for six years. And I finally wrote my first book, and then I didn't publish it. Resistance, resistance, resistance. (laughs) Karma, karma, karma. You have the best seat in the house if you can recognize that, if you can realize that, if you can bring that to fruition. And the way that happens is to make some wiggle room in your consciousness for your heart and your soul to show up more and more often. 
For many people, their ego consumes 100% of their day. And even if there is a crack in it and and they get inspiration, oftentimes, just like when I was first nudged by my heart and soul to write books, my ego argued with it. It's like, I'd be, ah, phew, nah, phew, phew. My ego, my mental karmic stigma, my mental karmic momentum said no, no. I'm not going to write a book. I'm not an author. Who the hell? No, no, no. Tonight, the topic is, and I bring this up because the two are very much related, the karmic cost of our mental and emotional stigmas. I don't want to, I don't want to let emotions off the hook, but actually, yes, I do. I want to let emotions off the hook all the way. Wait, what? Didn't I have a whole bunch of emotional karma? When the cosmic two-by-four cracked me open, an immense amount of emotional energy came streaming out of my psyche. And now here today I'm saying the emotions doesn't have anything to do with it. How can that be? Well, the emotions themselves, the reason this is, the reason I'm saying the emotions are off the hook is because emotions don't have any motive. Emotions don't have any motive of their own. They're impersonal. If you're going down the stairs and you trip and you fall and you tumble down the stairs, gravity was 100% involved with that. Gravity had 100% say in what was going to happen for the most part. Is gravity personal? The gravity didn't care if you tripped or not. Emotions don't care. Emotions don't have a motive. Emotions don't have their own agenda. It's all done in the mind. Well, wait, what? The the mechanics of emotions are as impersonal as the mechanics of gravity. But what gets us stuck is our mind, our ego's relationship with our emotions. The reason I say this is that when the cosmic two-by-four cracked me open, and in, in that moment when my life changed, an immense amount of anger, of all emotions, anger, this immense amount of anger is flowing out of my psyche. And in that moment, I was startled. I didn't see it coming. And my mind said, what? What? Who are you? And in hindsight, I've, I've really reflected on this a lot. The anger didn't care. In that moment, the anger didn't feel scary. It didn't feel threatening. It didn't feel anything particular. 
It had its own vibration and vibe and whatnot. But it was just flowing out. It's like, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care how you react to me. I don't care how afraid or not afraid you might be of me. Do you see what I'm saying here? The emotions themselves have no motive. But my mind was scared to death. My mental karmic stigma was my mind's relationship with my emotions. Does that make sense? So the the idea of mental and emotional stigmas, I like to think of it as the World War II setting and, and they've brought the kids up and here's the airplane and here's the control stick and, and you move it left and right and the flaps turn and the plane turns and you move it forward and back and you go up and down. It's really like the basic mechanics of flying an airplane. Well, the basic mechanics of whether your persona this this human body persona you have, the basic mechanics of whether you can show up and fulfill the life your soul had intended for you is your mental and emotional karmic stigmas. The mental and emotional karmic stigmas are the most fundamental dictators. They decide how functional or dysfunctional we are. And I promise you, I was really totally dysfunctional. The vision my soul had for my life was not even on the back burner. It wasn't even on the radar. So tonight I wanted to really talk about the karmic cost of mental and emotional stigmas. Now, I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm going to use examples, and I'm not picking on anybody. If your house is clean or if your house is dirty, perfect. Really, really. If your bedroom is clean or it's dirty, perfect. Really, really. But what I want to talk about is spectrum. Spectrum, spectrum, spectrum. So if you imagine a pendulum at rest and it's it's hanging straight down, you can put your hands together in, in your lap or if you're standing up. And if we swing the pendulum one way, that's one attribute, archetype, preference, choice. And we bring it back down to center. Now we bring it up on the other side, and that's the shadow side of whatever the first side was. Light is the shadow of dark. Dark is the shadow of light. Clean is the shadow of messy. Messy is the shadow of clean. I don't care which one. I don't care. What I want to illustrate is a dynamic, the ability of the pendulum to move. So let's play with a few scenarios. So using the pendulum metaphor... Let's let's think about the notion of power, personal power. And I'm going to just pick two 
ways that power is portrayed in human personas. So we're going to go up on, let's pick the right side. So we move the pendulum up to the right side. And this is an iconic identity based on power. I'm powerful because I own a big company. I'm the mayor. I'm the governor. I'm the CEO. I drive a a fancy car. I have a snap and suit. I have this personification of power, and there's nothing wrong with this whatsoever. And I bring it back down to center, and now I'm back to neutral ground, and we're going to go back up on the other side, and this is a sense of powerlessness. This is the homeless person at the street corner. This is the, the war vet trying to get through PTSD episodes tonight. If the bus driving by backfires, it'll scatter their thoughts for hours. That's a sense of powerlessness. I could have chose all kinds of ways to illustrate this. I just picked two. But in both conditions, they're stuck. Wait, what? The, the the rich guy on the uh, the rich guy with uh, the iconic representation of power. Yes, and the homeless person. Yes. The reason is, it's very common that we derive our sense of self as this identity that we form with our minds. And there's an immense amount of karmic stigma when we're emotionally vested in this personification of ourselves. The iconic, the iconic display of power, if, I, if their car gets keyed or their protesters burn their factory or if the icons themselves hold the value of the status. Are you following me? These physical aspects of these people's lives, I'm, I'm, this, is general, uh, this is just a general metaphor to, to understand. Whatever happens to their iconic identity of power directly ripples into their psyche and into their sense of self. And likewise, if you go to a homeless person and you bring up a $3,000 suit all pressed and and clean, they might not want anything to do with that. These are just general examples. Don't get too caught up in the example, but they're both stuck. They're both stuck. So you walk in your bedroom and all the clothes are on the floor and you wade through clothes. And when you get up in the morning, you search around on the floor and find what you're looking for and put it on and go out the door. Perfect. Perfect. And what's the shadow side of that? You walk in your bedroom and everything's lined up in the closet, pristine and in order. Everything is in its place. It's all clean and it's pressed. Perfect perfect 
But if your whole identity is wrapped up in that, there's a karmic propensity to that. I'm going to I'm going to run out of time. There's so many different ways the mental and emotional stigmas influence our life. But what, here's an example. So this is, wow, I guess a couple of decades ago. Cosmic 2x4 cracks me open. I'm, I'm what, five, ten years into my spiritual journey, and I'm sitting here thinking, huh, Ha, ha, ha. Karma, karma, karma. What's this karma crap? Well, anytime I create a standing wave, a posture, I create a posture with what is. This is the swing of the pendulum. I prefer this and I don't prefer that. And I'm not telling you to abandon what you prefer. I'm I'm telling you to understand that you can be dysfunctional with how you identify with what you prefer. So here's an example. I'm a chief engineer at a TV station. I'm the chief. I'm the department head. And television is loaded with technical details. We had to time signals to within a billionth of a second. Two billionths of a second too late, and and the talent on the set look like they're sick and they're going to throw up. And a billionth or two of a second early, and they look like they've been in the sun too much. What's the what's the right setting? I had to be right. Now follow me here. As chief engineer, it was important for me to be right. What frequency are we broadcasting? Fifty-five point two five megahertz. We had to be on that frequency for the TV sets to be able to pick us up. What's the right answer, right? You're following me here. So I recognize I had this way, very polarized view of being right. And who could blame me? I'm the chief. I'm the boss. If we don't do it right, we don't draw paychecks. Nobody gets a paycheck. We have to do it right. Wait a minute. That sounds like karmic stigma to me. I'm posturing with right and wrong. Well, who's going to blame me for posturing with right and wrong? Everybody wants to be right. Nobody wants to be wrong. Well, I scratched my head for a while and I said, there's got to be karma behind this. And so I, I gave myself permission to be wrong. And <laughs> this wasn't an easy matter for me. I I thought about it for weeks and weeks before I even got the gumption up to try it. So uh, to zoom through this, I I made it okay to be wrong. So I'd give a a department meeting and I'd admit I made a mistake. Hey, uh, the the way the digital audio, what I came up with was wrong. It's not going to work. It's my fault. I messed up. And you could hear a pin drop in the room. Did the boss just say he was wrong? The next meeting, oh, yeah, uh, an, another thing I messed up on, uh, we can't do what I asked you to do. It's not going to work. I messed up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to waste your time. They look around like, what the hell is this? 
And then and then it kind of spooked me because when I made it okay to be wrong as the boss, all of a sudden I made it okay for the entire department to be wrong. And I thought, oh, my God, I've let the cat out of the bag. Now, oh, my God, where's this going to go? Am I going to regret this? Well, fast forward, it was a fantastic thing to do. Morale went up through the roof. People were happy with their jobs. People who would have never contributed to department meetings because they were afraid of being wrong all of a sudden were chiming in. We got more ideas out of the the employees, and they felt great because now they're participating in the process. Morale went through the roof. Productivity went through the roof. Everybody was so much happier with their jobs. So when I talk about this, this pendulum, is your bedroom clean or is it dirty? I don't care what the answer is. I really don't care what the answer is. I suggest to you there's value to you to let the pendulum swing out of what is normal. The social uh, social media and uh, academics, academics. I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people on this show. And again, I'm using examples here. If you want to be offended, I can't stop you. But these are examples based on my own personal experience. I've interviewed PhDs that are brilliant, vibrant, open-minded, dynamic. And I've interviewed PhDs that are some of the toughest interviews I've done in my life because they only had one or two answers and they couldn't think outside their box. They couldn't think as a radio host, you're 10 minutes into an hour show and you figure out your guest only has two answers. Now, this is their passion. This is their, they've committed their whole life to this. And I'm not discounting it but I'm illustrating it in this pendulum notion of karma. You can have a karmic stigma with any noun, any sense of self, any archetype, any persona, some aspect of yourself. You can have karma with any of it. And where does it come from? It comes from our mind. Our emotions are impersonal. Our emotions are impersonal. A lot of times people will make their house spotless, clean, 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 orderly. And if it's out of order, they they feel um, so upset. So they, they can't stand to have any... Um, dirt or trash laying around or whatever, their houses are pristine. And there's nothing wrong with this. But it's just like the pendulum 
with the iconic sense of power. They have an iconic sense of, I'm doing this correctly. Does this apply every single time less? Oh, hell no. I'm using examples here. But often, I've been watching the human persona now my whole life, even as a teenager. I drive out to the airport to watch people. I've been fascinated my whole life about why people do the things they do. And for many of us, we we create a a life for ourselves that's the cover of the GQ magazine. And it and it's almost like if we follow the rules, if we follow the iconic demonstration from society about what our lives are supposed to look like then nobody can find fault with us. I say bullshit. Because our soul doesn't care about any of that. Remember I started the show off talking about how vast your soul is. I suggest to you, I'm going to go out on a limb. (laughs) Seems like I find myself doing that more and more. If you could achieve 0.1% of the vision that your soul has for your life, your accomplishment would dwarf all of your friends. Wait, wait a minute. 0.1%? Yes, 0.1%. How can I come up with a number like that? Well, our our culture, our culture is so karmically loaded up with mental and emotional stigmas that our metric, our measuring stick, stinks. Our culture of humanity on planet Earth at this time is so loaded up with mental and emotional stigmas that our measuring stick sucks. The metrics in which we measure our life cannot hold a candle to the vision of what our heart and our soul can have for our life. Had I never had my life cracked open, had I never learned how to quiet my flippin' brain, chill out and listen and tune in to the inspiration of my heart and my soul, I wouldn't be talking on this podcast. I wouldn't be writing the books I'm writing. I wouldn't be, there's so much in my life that just wouldn't be here. But thank God my soul dragged me off in the weeds and cracked me upside the head with the cosmic two-by-four because I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting what my life was meant to be. And I promise you, I promise you that your soul has a vision for your life your ego cannot understand because your soul is a multidimensional, nonlinear personification and your ego's just the opposite. 
the karmic cost of our mental and emotional stigmas. So, uh, okay, here's another example. I'm I'm picking on academics because we hold we hold academics in such high esteem, and, and I'm not discounting academics. I promise you, if I'm getting in a rocket as an astronaut to go to the moon, I want the I want the best academic students or graduates participants in the academic process to be involved in designing the rocket. I'm not against academics, but had I chosen to go into the space program and I go to college and I get a degree in, uh, I guess it'd be physics or mechanical engineering, chemistry to make propellant. I'm going to make a rocket, right? I want to I want to be an engineer and I want to make rockets. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I go to school and I get all my degrees and I go into the industry and I apply for jobs for these rocket making companies. Martin Marietta, Boeing, Lockheed, huge companies, multi-billion dollar companies. And I'm going through the academics and they look at my resume and they go, oh, you, you've got the academics, we, we want to hire you. And so now I've got a job working for a NASA contractor to make rockets. Well, forever, NASA made Ferraris. I'm not putting NASA down at all. I'm, I'm a huge fan of NASA. As a child, the space, the space program was a fascinating part of my life. But they'd make Ferraris, extremely exotic rockets, and they'd throw them into the ocean and let them sink to the bottom. And then they'd make another Ferrari. And they'd light it off and they'd throw it into the ocean and it would sink to the bottom. And they'd make another Ferrari, et cetera, et cetera. It was typical for these companies to spend close to a billion dollars to design a new type of rocket motor and it would take eight to 10 years. And then along comes a new rocket company and they're like, where are we throwing these rockets away? Let's teach them how to land. Wait, what? Wait, what? Teach the rockets how to land? Don't just throw them into the ocean? Yeah, and why don't we make them like Chevrolets instead of Ferraris? Why don't we make them really simple so they're simple to make? Academically, I could have gone to these these NASA contractors and live my entire life out making rockets. And please understand there's nothing wrong with any and all choices 
if that's what your impulse is to if that's what your passion is to do but our soul see humanity this this gigantic void remember i at the beginning of the show i talked about a huge huge void in what is quote normal unquote for the tribe what is normal unquote for the culture if we just go back to 2019 and reinstall the old normal we will have not fixed anything if you live entirely in your head and you ignore the vision of your soul which is totally a possibility millions of people on this planet are ignoring their heart and their soul and they're the walking dead they're drowning in the mundane they have no sense of passion no sense of excitement and it's just fine if you want to live that way and that's fine millions and millions of people are doing that that's fine but if if you want I suggest to you that if you have a chance in hell of meeting 0.1% of your soul's potential, you can then need to start to work out. You're going to need to work on your mental and emotional karmic stigmas. I've shared several examples tonight of scenarios where people find their life normal and preferable and this is the way I like it and please believe me I get that I'm not here pushing you to live a life that you don't want to live not at all I I in fact quite the contrary I suggest you get very crystal clear about what you prefer I suggest you spend a lot of time honing what you prefer in your life so you can create exactly what you want but I also understand that there's a shadow side to everything the spotless house that never shows dirt or chaos or dis disorganization is as messed up as the hoarders that have stuff packed up to the ceiling with crap and you and there's so much junk in the house that you have to follow little trails through the pile of stuff both sides are stuck in a in a singular sense of self If your identity is set up for the pendulum to be one way or the other, and it doesn't matter which way it's set up, if it's stuck all the way to one side or all the way to the other, you're stuck. You're karmically stuck. Is this making sense? I don't want a static idea of myself 
I'm an inventor. I design electronic circuits. I've done that since like 1972. But I don't see myself as an inventor. Wait, what? Didn't you just tell me I'm an inventor? Well, yeah, sure. Yes, I am. But I don't care. I hope this makes sense. I don't care about the title. Because I'm going to invent stuff that doesn't work. I'm going to... I'm going to do things wrong, and I'm going to do them right. I don't want to have a posture in my sense of self. I don't want to have a stigma in my sense of self. Even the notion of right or wrong, I mean... There's plenty of people on the planet that would quickly argue that right is better than wrong. But what I'm talking about here is there's an expanse to that. There's a karmic cost to our mental and emotional stigmas. We don't know what we don't know. I have a saying that doesn't make any sense, but I don't care. (laughs) I came up with a saying that my unknowing mind knows much more than my knowing mind. My unknowing mind knows much more than my knowing mind. In other words, there's so much stuff I don't know. It's vastly larger than everything that I do know. My unknowing mind. What I don't know is much bigger than my knowing mind. And so I hold everything with a feather. So a more authentic truth, a more authentic understanding can easily be replaced with what I thought what was. Well, wait a minute. How, how do you build a foundation on that? Well, it's not so much that I build a foundation with my ego. It's that my ego trusts my heart, my soul, and my heart, my soul takes on the responsibility. It took me a long time, Years. It took me a long time to really get good at that, to teach my ego to get the hell out of the way. I love my ego. Well, wait, that sounds narcissistic. I love my ego. But but the, the vision of my soul far exceeds appeasing my ego's sense of self. I hope this is making sense. I suggest that it's kind of like I could ask you, in the last week, in the last month, how much time have you spent noodling what your life purpose is? 
how many seconds or minutes or hours or days or weeks or months have you spent in the last, let's say, last month? How many times have you thought, why am I here? (laughs) It sounds like a philosophical question. Why am I here? What is life? What's the purpose of life? How much time have you spent? Because we go through a veil when we're born, and then we grow up in a family of origin, and we're and we're we grow an ego that our brains run, and we develop a sense of self, and and God Almighty, in the in our culture, we develop gigantic mental and emotional karmic stigmas. If you want to accomplish 0.1% of your potential, and and I know that's a that's an extreme example, you're going to want to take the time to really straighten out, resolve, dissipate the karmic momentum the mental and emotional karmic momentum of your human persona. I've I've been on my spiritual path 25 years. I've been teaching it for 15 years. There's no way in hell I'm going to ever say, well, I have a complete and clear vision for the rest of my life of everything that my soul wants me to do. Your soul dangles a carrot in front of you. The the dreams your soul is showing you now, that carrot that says, come on, trust in yourself. Come on, Les, write a book. Come on. Trust that you'll have something to say. And my ego's, no. (laughs) No, I don't want to. I want to hold what I think I am with a feather so new ideas, new trajectories, new narratives can come in from my heart and my soul and show me a new dynamic today and tomorrow and the next day. Now I've got a chance. I've got a chance that I might accomplish what my heart and my soul had in mind for me for this lifetime. My heart and my soul are showing me big-ass visions for my life, and I've learned not to discount them. I've learned to respect them. And I want to get better and better and better at respecting those with my ego, with my actions, with my intentions, with my attention. If I have a chance in hell of accomplishing these big-ass visions that my soul is showing me, I have to let go. My ego has to let go and surrender. I don't have to let go. I have free will. I could pour concrete in my ego and and anchor it as the, the final say in my life for the rest of my life. Many, many people live in their egos and their heart and their soul don't even get any screen time, so to speak. Well, I've tasted the fruit. I've written books. 
we're in our 12th year. Well, we're about to go into another year. So soon it'll be our 13th year of broadcasting. And my, my heart and my soul is going to show me new stuff, new things, new tangents. And I want to get right on them. I have a chance in hell of accomplishing what my soul has intended for my life. It would serve me very well to to work out the karmic costs of my mental and emotional stigmas. I hope this is making sense. What an exciting time to be alive. Humanity is transforming itself. All of humanity is transforming itself. Talk about a lifetime of a lifetime. This is the most incredible lifetime to be alive. And here you are now. How cool is that? How cool is that? I'm here to help you. My passion is to help people understand this human persona they have, this this node of prime consciousness, God consciousness, Christ consciousness, that is them, that is you, that is me. My soul put me in front of million watt transmitters so I could wrap my noggin around what the hell power is. I worked with a million watts of power. That'll fry your ass in a heartbeat. I worked with 32,000 volts. That'll drop you dead in a fraction of a second. I had to scratch my head for a long time to understand what power is. I promise you there's an internal stream of power in you that you cannot exhaust. You can double it today, tomorrow, and the next day till the end of time, and it'll meet you every step of the way. Do you, are you, do you want to play? Do you want to engage? Do you want to thrust in your sickle? I can help you with that. And you better be having fun. If there's not a smile on your face, you're, I don't think you're doing it right. I'm, I'm dumbfounded that I'm here to do what I'm here to do. I'm so, I am, I am so giddy that what my soul has lined up for this lifetime is just off the charts, and I don't want to miss a thing. I'm going to I'm going to be starting uh, classes next year to help you achieve what you came here to do. I have books out, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, Teach Your Ego How to Work With Your Soul, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. If you can't heal your relationship with God, you, you'll never figure out what personal power is. Anywho, I want to thank my editor and the show organizer, Susan. She lines up all the guests. We've worked together for, wow, eight years or, or more. I want to thank all the guests that have come on the show, and we're just a few weeks from another year of shows here on the New Human Living Radio Show. I want to thank you, the listener. 
you are why all this happens. I want to thank you. I'm your host, Les Jensen. It is my pleasure. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.